Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is Winning at Work and Home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. Hey, God, thanks for today. Thank you for your love, and I thank you for your provision in our lives. And Lord, thanks for these men, and I know that you created them men, and in your heart and in your mind, God, you have a reason for that. Lord, that we would lead courageously, we would honor, God, you, and honor our vows, and Father, more than that, that we would be part of bringing your kingdom to pass here on earth as we uh, defend those that can't defend themselves, as we speak truth uh, boldly and lovingly in our culture today, but also, God, how we conduct ourselves at work. And uh, Father, I do pray that uh, you would... Uh, just blessed Lee today as he speaks. Um, he brings so many different stories and perspectives in, and I'm always challenged when I hear him and get to spend time with him. And so, Father, that we get to have him share with the men at our church is a blessing. Uh, bless him as he uh, is part of your blessing into our lives, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Good morning, gentlemen. I know it's early, 6 o'clock, right? Eric told you I had a wealth of wisdom. That may or may not be true. The truth is... When I heard of this series, Winning, I thought, wow, I'm so competitive. I love to win. I want to be a part of this. So here we are, Winning at Work. Today, we're going to talk about making a good name for yourself or making a name for yourself at work. And many of us think that making a name for ourselves perhaps is not of, of Christian values. We're, we're supposed to be humble and, and, and think lowly of ourselves and, and think of God as the provider for everything. But the scripture, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, learn in a few minutes, the scripture does tell us uh, to make a good name for ourselves, to have favor among men and among women. So what's in a name? Have you, uh, you thought of uh, good names and bad names of companies lately? When I say, uh, what company has a good name, what do you think about? Exxon, Coca-Cola. Yeah, I wrote Coke as one of them. Any Mac users here? Apple has a great name. Wired Magazine had an article lately that said Apple is giving tech companies a good name and giving tech geeks a good name. It's cool in school now to be a tech nerd or a Tech Geek, and I think Apple and iPods and those companies have made it a good name. Other companies I've written, or another company I written, I wrote down was uh, Nike. What are companies with a bad name? <laughs> Our hometown Enron. What else? Citigroup, or it's known by another name. I won't say it this morning. AIG, no offense to Jason. U.S. government, okay. How about Bear Stearns and MCI from the past? What about people with a good name? Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa. Angelina Jolie has a great name for doing all the social justice things that she's doing out in the world. Bono, Miley Cyrus. You might say yay or nay, depending on if you have a teenage girl. And then Bon Jovi had a song, You Give Love... A bad name. So people talk about good names and bad names all all over our world. 
we sing about the name of God. We talk about the name of God in the scriptures. The old hymn, nothing but the name of Jesus. So it's not just a title. Name is talking about an identity, an authority, a power, uh, and, and reputation that someone has. In your slides, the uh, it, or on your on your workbook, what's in a name? Hopefully, a growing and good reputation. Growing and good reputation. Came through some news articles that talked about reputation. The New York Times had an article about what a good name is worth. And uh, I don't know if y'all have been to New York City, but there's a performing arts center called Lincoln Center right there on the screen there. And the walkway to get to the Lincoln Center, where they have symphonies and operas, um, they had a bidding war, an auction, if you will, to, to name the walkway. And the winner was a Mr. Julian Robertson, Jr., who was a hedge fund manager, and uh, he gave $25 million dollars name just that walkway in honor of his wife, Josie Robertson Plaza. Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York is offering its entire medical school to be named something. So you might consider that for a whopping $100 million. As a board member at Rice, I'm looking to perhaps build a law school and looking for a, a donor who will give just 80 to $100 million dollars have it named perhaps the Eric Reed School of Law at Rice University. So people give a lot to put their name on things. That's not such a bad thing. They put their name on buildings and memorials and walkways um, as a tribute to someone or to, to show the world their values and who they are. Another article came out lately. Who, who used Facebook here? Are any of y'all on Facebook? The great social networking uh, internet site, and uh, some people use it for business. I use it for ministry, especially with college and uh, high school students. British Airways has learned why online reputation management should be a top priority, says the Financial Times. Uh, a group of frustrated employees in its London Heathrow Airport Terminal 5 discovered that Facebook isn't a safe forum to vent their anger. Workers' rude comments about passengers caught the attention of Facebook users the Facebook group, they, so they made a group online, and it's called Things That Irritate You More Than Working on Check-In. And they list complaints of passengers, including smelly travelers and American customers with stupid accents. And uh, the Financial Times has reported that that has damaged the, the reputation of British Airways and online uh, and web and Internet reputation management now is a corporate priority. The Harvard Business Review has an article called Employees, a Key Link to Corporate Reputation Management. And it says that employees and corporate reputation are unique resources that generate positive financial performance and ultimately create sustainable competitive advantage. Corporate reputation is vital to an organization and employees, people, are the key link to managing corporate reputation. So we see in the world and in the press and online that name and reputation management are so important to success, to performance, to sustainability of a company even. 
And the Bible supports that. Or, better said, the world supports the Bible, as I always think the world does. The Bible is universal and timeless. In Proverbs 22.1 it says, A good name is to be more desired than great riches. It goes on to say in that verse, To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So, in your workbook, there are five proven practices there for establishing your name at work. We're going to talk about five proven practices for establishing your name at work, two crucial commitments for protecting your name at work, and those crucial commitments can be, can, can be moved into one of your top ten key moves. And then we'll talk about uh, five, the five benefits of a good name. So don't just work. Work to be really good at something. Work to be really good at something. If you see a man skilled in his work, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Proverbs 22. And be responsive. Be responsive to those above you and earn their trust. I'd say be responsive to those below you and earn their trust. If you're responsive to those above you, you'll get respect. If, you, if you're responsive to those who are lateral to you and who are below you, you'll get things done, in my opinion. Proverbs 25, a faithful employee is as invigorating as a cool day in the hot Houston summertime. He refreshes the soul of his boss. Wow. Do I refresh the soul of Pastor Greg Mott? Probably not every day. And then the next uh, point there, it says to over-deliver. Over-deliver for your company. Poor is he who works with lazy hands, but hard-working hands get rich from Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs has so many wise, wise things to say about work and life. So when you're done with all that you have to do, do you go over and beyond? Do you take that extra mile? And... I've observed that employees can spend our spare time at work in four different areas. I used to be in HR, and human resources studies tell us that it only takes really 20% of your work time to produce all that you're given to do, usually. Maybe not this in this economy, where a lot of our friends have been laid off and, and we were serving double duty. But usually it only takes 20% of our, the 40 hours given to us, or the 50 hours. So what can we do with the spare time? We can waste time. A lot of people just endlessly, aimlessly surf the internet or play solitaire. We can do personal things. And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to ever do, to accomplish personal tasks at work. But um, some people may do that too much and in a way steal company, steal time from your company. You may do, do church things. And I know many of us are involved in church activities and your teachers or directors of classes and things, but have you thought about if you do spend time um, on the job doing church things, is, is, that, is that really a way to, to have integrity? So I would caution us against that. As a church, I would say to you, um, don't rob your boss, your company, or your shareholders of their time doing church things. 
If you're doing church things on the job, just clear it with your boss. That's what I would recommend to you. And then the fourth thing we can do is help our team, help our clients. What else can we do for them? And just go up and ask them, what, what can we do? If you are serving in a way, if you're working in a way um, that is accomplishing the task and the responsibilities of your supervisor or the next level of where you want to be promoted, that's a, a, that's a great way of, of getting promoted because your boss will, will see that you're already doing those things, half the things of the next level up. You're naturally a shoo-in for the next promotion. Another proven practice for establishing your name at work is be an encourager and team builder. We talk a lot about being team players in the corporate um, workforce, but not just to be a team player, but a team builder. The scripture says encourage one another and build one another up just as you're also doing. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for the building up for, of one another according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. True that you're encouraging words to give grace to those uh, who hear. Psychologists tell us that for every ten complaint, or for every ten encouraging things that you hear, um, it takes just one discouraging thing to, to put your mood down. So encourage one another. The last proven practice for establishing your name at work is keep your word. Keep your word. That's one of the hardest things for all of us to do, right, is, is to be totally honest um, in everything that you say. Let your, you let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil, the scripture says. Another version says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Let your 1130 appointment be your 1130 appointment, not your 1145, because that projects to that person that they're not important enough for you to, to prioritize that appointment to be on time. Psalm 15.4, he swears to his own hurt when he swears something and doesn't, um, doesn't do what he says. He swears he does, he says, yet he does not change. And so that man will come to ruin. And so following along in your book, there are two crucial commitments. And as we talk about commitments, keep in mind these are things that, that you have the option of moving to one of your ten key moves. And the first is never lie or cheat. Never lie or cheat. He who walks in integrity walks securely. Scripture is saying if you want security in life, if you want security on the job, walk with integrity. He who perverts his ways or corrupts his ways will be found out, Proverbs 10.9. So there's four common lies at work. Lying to get a job. I used to, re I used to recruit and do interviews, eight to ten interviews all day long for five years. And 80% of resumes, studies have show 80% of resumes have lies in them, have some kind of exaggeration. Had resume padding, you may have heard the term. And I checked resources, I checked references, I called their neighbors. There's, it's, 
it's, it's, it's funny and kind of dangerous what you can find on the internet. And on the internet, I found where they lived. I found the zip code, the postal route. So I, I got the names of the people in the post, postal route. I called their neighbors to see if there's anything suspicious about that person's character that I should know as a future employer of that person. Um, be careful what you put on Facebook, uh, MySpace, your blog, whatever, because potential recruiters and employers or, or your boss can see that kind of thing as well. So the best, the, the best policy really is to be honest. Honesty really is the best policy. Um, do not lie. Many people lie to get a job. Many people lie to make money. We've seen that with Enron, all the accounting creativity that people have done. Lying to advance one's career. People do that uh, in interviews all the time. If you've worked at a place from March 2000 to December 2000, uh, eight, but you're interviewing for a job, say in February, you've had your resume in March 2008 or 2007 to, to, to present. That's a lie. It's an exaggeration. That is, that is a lie. It's not letting your yes be yes and no be no. And then lying when called on the carpet, uh, meaning lying when, obviously, when someone brings something up to you accuses you of doing something. And of course, our natural defense is to deny that. But uh, if you have integrity, you will tell the truth and fess up. Have the courage to fess up to, to what you may be doing wrong. Um, some of us may be responsible for calling people to the carpet or calling people on the carpet. So I would encourage you to, to be kind but firm and, and call out the action the behavior, not the person. So you may say, Chad, um, I've noticed, and a couple of people have noticed that you've made some statements to uh, that may misrepresent our company. And I want to talk about that and how we can, we can together um, make that better. Or you can just call out Chad and say, Chad, you're such a big fat liar. See, that's the difference. Calling someone a name and defaming their character or just bringing up their actions or their behavior and trying to correct that. Um, in addition to the uh, four common lies, it says they're decide now and not later. And, and as men, uh, we tend to be so focused on what we're doing. So I like this decide now, not later. We tend to like to put things off. Decide now to always say no to deception. A wise man foresees evil ahead and prepares for it. A simpleton or a fool goes blindly on and suffers the consequences of his own choice. And then decide now and not later to trust God for the outcome. The pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, uh, Charles Stanley, he always says, trust God and leave the consequences to him. If you trust God and obey his commands and do things his way as laid out in Proverbs, all those business principles, we can, we can rely on him, depend on him uh, for the consequences. The second crucial commitment for protecting your name is avoid immorality. 
avoid immorality at all costs. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, flee, flee immorality. It also says resist the devil. Run from the devil, flee the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's vocational self-destruction. Immorality, being immoral, is vocational self-destruction. It's a CLM. Anybody know what CLM means? It's a career-limiting move. Your peers may say that to you. That's a CLM. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He would destroy himself. He who, uh, he who would destroy himself is the person who does that, commits adultery. Proverbs 6. It leaves a long-term stain on your name. You may be blacklisted. I was, uh, I was a regional recruiting director for Computer Sciences Corporation, and among the recruiters nationwide and among our peers that did consulting, back then it was Anderson at Accenture, some other peers uh, from PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte, that really uh, we were really interested in hiring people with integrity. So if someone came out rude or blatantly lying to us, we would pretty much blacklist them. And that list runs across all of our organizations to make sure that none of our organizations around the country and around the world, perhaps, would ever hire that person. So you may be stained, you may be blacklisted um, if you are immoral. Wounds and disgrace an immoral man will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. And then the third thing there, it says to watch out for the black widow. <clears throat> watch out for the black widow. From Proverbs 7, Scripture says, Behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot, and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. She says, I have come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. And the scripture goes on to, to warn us. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, for he does not know that it will cost him his life. Avoid immorality at all costs. Aside now, not later, here are some principles to follow in avoiding adultery and immorality. Never travel with a woman alone. As ministers of our church, that's our policy. Do not travel with a woman alone or a woman traveling with a man alone. To have a see-through office, to have an office with a window or a door open so that you, you can always see through. To avoid innocent flirting as a married man. So I'm single, so I'm, I'm, I'm exempted from this to avoid flirting or innocent flirting. Uh, to all my single friends, I define the word flirting as ex 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 expressing more affection than your heart is able to commit to. Expressing more affection than your level of commitment inside your heart and your soul. So whether it's whether it's naughty flirting or innocent flirting, um, it does not have integrity. It's lying. It's expressing more than you're able to commit. 
and uh, so we should avoid flirting at all costs. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs uh, 6, Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? And the fourth thing to avoid, or to uh, avoid immorality at all costs, is to have a partner watching out for you, to have an accountability partner, to have someone um, who who's not judgmental, who, who loves you no matter what, and that who you can love no matter what. And you can talk about these things and, and, and question each other without judgment. And now we go into the five benefits of a good man. There are benefits to a good man. There are benefits... Spiritually, there are benefits corporately. People admire you as a man. People in your workforce, people at the church, people in your community, wife, girlfriend, kids, they'll admire you. Do what you say and don't do uh, what you denounce. You influence others in a positive way. When you have a good name, you'll influence others. My mission in life is to glorify God by positively influencing people, to uh, love him and to love others. And so if I have a good name, I have a lot more power in that influence than if I have a bad name. And then young men will seek you out for counsel, for advice, and for mentoring. Even when I was um, doing sales, I was director of sales for an uh, executive recru- recruiting firm. A lot of people sought me out to, for advice on, on topics that I, I had no idea on how to counsel them with, um, marriage things. I was like 25, and people came to me with their marriage problems. I, I said, I don't know what to say, but I'll pray for you. And I got to share the love of, love of God with them. Uh, and then for mentoring, uh, I've got three guys that I, in, in Dallas that I still mentor, and I, I drive up there uh, just to spend time with them invest in their lives. How will you leave a legacy on this earth? You'll leave a legacy with your family, with your kids, of course, but also with those that you mentor. I've got two people that have asked me to mentor here. Um, one is a 16-year-old um, teenager in our youth group, and uh, he just has a zeal for evangelism. So he, he, we talk almost every week, talk about sharing our faith. And then there's a guy who's 52. I'm, I'm 36. There's a guy who... He's 52, but he came up through the ranks of the corporate world also, and now God's called him to be an evangelism pastor at another church. And so he's very humbly, I think, asked me to, to mentor him. And, and uh, that, was, that was humbling for me to, to accept his, uh, his request. He's so much older and wiser. So I'm sure um, if and when God blesses me with a wife, I'll be going to him for advice on marriage. Or I'll be going to many of you. Uh, the fourth thing there is God is honored when you feel his pleasure. God is, God is honored when we have a good name, when we are honest, when we avoid immorality at all costs. And you feel a deep satisfaction about your work. If, we're, um, if we have integrity, if we're not lying, if we are doing things the right way, uh, we'll be satisfied in work. We'll be in that top 20% who are satisfied because 80% of the people are dissatisfied in their work. 
just to wrap up, um, I want to talk to you about your name. How does God see your name? Does God, do you have a good name with God, or do you have a bad name with God? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As your Lord, as the person who guides your life, and as your Savior, as the one who saves you from eternal separation with Him? The Scripture says all uh, that uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, or God's standard. So we've all missed the mark, we've all made, made mistakes. And we all have a bad name with, with God. We all have a bad name if God looks down at us. But if we have accepted Jesus Christ, trusted in him as our Lord and Savior, then he is our substitutionary atonement. He is our substitute. And when God looks down on us, he sees the good name of Jesus Christ. Do you have a good name or a bad name with God? So we can see from this lesson that the world and the Bible tell us that it's good to have a good, good name. And a good name is made when we have integrity and when we avoid immorality at all costs. And when we seek to encourage people and build one another, another up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these gentlemen. Thank you for the lives that they lead. Thank you for the families that they lead, the companies where they work. In this time of recession, Will you protect each one of us, our jobs? If we lose our jobs, will you pick us back up and point us in the right direction of where we should go? Lord, I beg and plead with you to give us the courage to be honest with our families, with our friends in the workforce, to have integrity. Give us the love, Lord, to encourage and build each other up and give us the resilience to avoid immorality at all costs. We love you. We trust you. We thank you in advance for the wonderful things that you'll be doing in us when you give us courage, love, and resilience. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of Jesus, the greatest name. Um, I wanted to, I don't know, yeah, this is done. I wanted to say this, this area of, of work and how we actually conduct ourselves at work strikes real close to my heart. He's uh, had his own company and, and is retired now, but the reason he says he's not a Christian, whenever you try to pin him down on the reason, it always comes back that the employees that were Christians were the ones that were most likely to call in sick when they weren't sick, uh, most likely to fritter away time on the job and stuff like that. And, and it, it left a real bad taste in his mouth because it was his personal income that their lack of work ethic and lack of integrity and those types of things came back into him. And... I just, you know, as, as Lee and I talked, I, I really felt led that he needs to, to lead, lead this session. And you have more time. It's a shorter session. I want you all to honestly talk through these things and encourage each other. People are watching us, and we don't even know they're watching us, and they need to see a transformed life. They need to see something far more compelling than he shows up to work on time and he gets out. Of, you know, they need to see something in us. And, and I think the integrity level is something that was lacking as far as my father-in-law goes, what he saw. And it, and it came down to little things. And I just, I'm just laying that out to y'all, sort of your bosses are watching, and it's not that you serve them, you serve Christ. But the way you serve Christ can transform somebody else in the marketplace. 
And, and we need that more than ever now. I really believe that there are a lot of people hurting. A lot of us maybe are hurting in that arena. But God's got you where you are to be salt and to be light. And so take this time and, and really invest yourselves in that conversation. And, uh, and thank you all for being here. And let's thank Lee for being here this week. Thanks.